I am very much a person who has routines and finds comfort in my routines. Uh, my routines, they keep me on track and they ensure I, I get done all the things I want to get done and I need to get done. But as, I, as much as I like my routines, I've come to realize that a routine can become a rut if you're not careful with it, especially in, in regard to spiritual things like prayer. I mean, just think about in prayer. Have you ever gone through a time in your prayer where you found prayer was boring? I know that sounds like a an awful thing to say, that we were bored in prayer. But I don't know any other way to say it, but we feel like we're praying about the same things, the same days, and we're praying the same ways about the same things over and over again. And it's like, surely there has to be more. If you have ever felt that way in your prayer life, then I'm sure you felt something else that went along with that, and that was guilt. Because... Prayer is talking to God. And surely, we think, something bad has to be wrong with me if I'm bored talking to the great and the awesome God of the universe. And what makes this even worse, that piles the guilt on, is typically the stuff we're praying about is important stuff. I mean, when we, 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 we call prayer talking to God because it is, but we're not chit-chatting, are we? I mean, we're not talking about the weather or the game or anything along those lines. We're praying about things that are significant, things that are important. We're praying for the salvation of someone we care about. We're praying for a child to make wise decisions. We're praying for a marriage we know that is struggling. We're praying for someone who's sick to get well. We're praying for people who have real financial issues. We're praying for other deeply important, real life, huge, enormous issues. And yet we're bored. It's difficult. It feels like it's not what it should be. Uh, Because what it seems to be doing is we're praying the same words about the same issues day in and day out. I mean, because how many different ways can you pray for someone to be saved? Lord, save them. Lord, open their eyes. Lord, stir their hearts. Lord, send somebody to them. Lord, save them. Lord, convict them. And it just begins to seem like we're saying the same thing over and over again. If we're praying for someone to make wise decisions, again, how many different ways can we pray? Help them to see the error of their ways. Help them to think before they act. Help them to be sure this is what you would want them to do. How many different ways can we pray for a struggling marriage to make it? How many different ways can we pray for a sick person To get well, how many different ways can we pray about a financial problem or or really any of the other real life issues we pray about? The importance of what we're praying about necessitates we pray for them regularly. So we're praying the same things. And because we don't know what to say, we're praying that we're saying the same things. And the result can be and often is we become bored and discouraged in prayer. We don't find prayer exciting. We don't find prayer to be particularly encouraging. We don't find prayer to strengthen us in any spiritual or physical or emotional way. We don't find prayer to be deepening our relationship with God. And in rare moments, if we're brutally honest, we're not even sure if we find prayer to be particularly helpful. Now, if this has been our experience, we can begin to wonder if there's something wrong with us. Because this certainly doesn't appear to be prayer in Scripture. 
you ever read a book on prayer, that is certainly not what you find in books on prayer. Most sermons on prayer don't typically express that this is how prayer is. And so what we do is we end up concluding there must be something wrong with us. Perhaps we're really not saved. Perhaps we're second-rate Christians. Perhaps, God, uh, we're just not interested in having an intimate relationship with God. Perhaps God's not interested in having an intimate relationship with us. Perhaps we're just not meant to be prayer people. Now, for me, I can say that about a year and a half ago, this was kind of how I felt. And I began to feel myself struggling with this. I was still praying. I was praying about the important issues that I typically pray about. But rather than feeling like I was talking to God about the burdens on my heart, it felt to me like I was reading a grocery list of things I wanted God to do. Save them, help them, work in their life. On and on and on. This bothered me because as I read Scripture, I can see prayer is meant to be more than this. Surely, surely, if God is real and we have a real relationship with Him, Prayer is meant to be more than reading a grocery list to him and asking him to do something about that. So I began to search for something that would help me revive my prayer life. Because if there is one thing I want to be, I want to be a prayer. I want to be an intercessor. I want to intercede for my family. I want to intercede for my church. I want to intercede for my community. I want to pray for missionaries. I want to pray for whatever the Lord lays on my heart. I want to know how to pray about those things. And that led me to a book called Praying the Bible by a fellow named Donald Whitney. That is the most of, I've read several books on prayer. It is probably the most practical book I've ever read. It is certainly the most encouraging book on prayer I've ever read. Uh, and I, I am not overstating it when I say that book transformed my prayer life. And honestly, right now, my prayer life is more vibrant and more exciting than it has ever been. And, and that's to me, that's a big thing because when I first got saved, prayer was the main thing I sought out how to do. I never envisioned myself teaching or preaching or anything that got me up in front of people, I saw myself as being someone on the sidelines just praying for my pastor, praying for my church, praying for the people in my church. So prayer was the very first thing I sought how to do. And my prayer life in the early days of my Christian walk were very, very, to me, exciting. They were very life-giving, very much a, wow, this is awesome. So for me to say that my prayer life now is greater than that, it's kind of a, that is a big deal to me. And what I want to do tonight is we're going to take time and I want to explain to you what Donald Whitney put in that book. The book, we could read the book. It's not that long. It's only 128 pages. I read it in a day. Um, it's kind of a shorter book because it's a simple process. So what I want to do is just kind of talk through how to pray scripture. And I'll give you a plan. You've got the plan on how to pray scripture. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we're going to spend some time tonight praying the Bible, and then we'll dismiss. And when you pray the Bible, simply uh, all you do is you go through a passage line by line, and you talk to God about whatever comes to your mind as you read that particular line, that particular passage of Scripture. Right When you run out of issues to pray about on that particular line, you move on to the next line, and then to the next one. And in doing this, 
you can end up praying, you do end up praying about anything and everything that's going on in your life. You can pray about every issue that comes up by praying this way. You can pray for every person in your life by praying this way. You can pray about every circumstance of your life by praying this way. You can pray about anything and everything by praying this way. Uh, If you come to a passage and you don't understand what it means, then that gives you an opportunity to either sit and meditate on it and kind of think about what it means, or just skip it and move on to the next line. This isn't your deep Bible study time. You're not trying to come to this deep understanding of what this passage means. If you're not getting an understanding, you just move on to the next thing. So what I want to do first is we're going to look at a couple of passages tonight, and let me kind of show you what to do. Right. So turn to Psalm 23. I think that's 423 if you have a pew Bible. This is the most familiar psalm there is, so I picked it. So what you do is you open your Bible or your Bible app, however you want to do it, and you come to Psalm 23, the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. And so you begin to pray something like, Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. Jesus, thank you for being the good shepherd giving your life for me. Please continue to shepherd me and my family today. Defend us from the wolves and the thieves that are seeking to come and steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. Use your rod and your staff to guard my daughters today and don't let the enemy begin to have a way in their life to influence them and lead them away. Father, shepherd us as we go through our lives today. We We have our plans, but you know what needs to be done. Direct our steps. Thank you, Father, for the many times that when I have strayed, you have sought me as a shepherd and you have brought me back into the flock. That's something like that. Then you go on to the next line. I shall not want. Well, Thank you, Lord. I've never really been in want. Your provision for my life has always been amazing. Help me to remember every good and perfect gift I have or ever will have comes from you. Lord, while I never cease to be amazed at your provision for our family, I do feel myself being concerned at times for how to take care of Lizzie in the future as she gets bigger. Give us wisdom. Give us provision so that we can take care of her as we need. I know you will. You always have. You've never let us down. But guide me and give me comfort and peace so that I don't feel stressed over it. Father, I saw the Halliburton plant in El Reno laid off around 800 workers. What a terrible time of the year to be without a job and a paycheck. Let them find jobs soon. Comfort them and relieve stress they have at this time. Father, I know there are people in Diamond hurting and in need. Help me to see what I can do. Show me who I can help and let me do what I can. Then you move on. He maketh me to lie down. In green pastures. Father Shirley said she hadn't been sleeping well lately. Help her to get some rest. Take away her worries that are keeping her awake. Thank you for the weather. Maybe the rain that we've had lately. I know the farmers in the area need it. And you move on. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Father, I, I really feel anxious about some things in my life right now that I see coming in our family's future. Things that I, I've got in my mind that may happen or may not happen. And I want to follow you and do your will in these things. Show me what your will is and I'll do it. Please still the anxious waters in my soul about this and let me rest in your sovereignty and experience your peace. Then you go on. He restoreth my soul. 
And you say, you pray, Father, I've felt down lately. But I don't want to feel this way. Restore my soul. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. Let your Holy Spirit flood me and revive me and revive my soul today. Father, I'm concerned about Jake. He really seemed to be straying from you. Work in his life and bring him back. Restore his soul. Let him see the end of the path he's currently walking on. And then you basically just go through the whole psalm in that way. And if you look through this, you can. there's nothing you can't pray about. And nothing that, that won't come up. It covers every aspect of it. Let's say the next part, lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Well, then you can have, there can be repentance, right? I mean, you know, God, I've made a bad decision recently. I've done this and I shouldn't have. That wasn't your leading. Forgive me for that. Lead me in a different way next time. You can pray for people. Guide them in the path of righteousness. I mean, there is, there's nothing you, you cannot pray for as you go through here. And you just go through the whole passage until you run out of time or until your, your prayer time is over, until you finish the passage. Uh, and one of the big benefits of praying the Bible in this way is the freshness it brings to our prayers. Now, all the things I mentioned there, that's the same sort of stuff I would pray about normally. Those aren't the words I would use. right? So we end up praying for the same things, but we aren't saying the same things. And that... I'm telling you, that little bit of a change is important. That little bit of a change is, is powerful. right? An example from when I first started doing this, I regularly pray for our church, I pray for our community, and I pray for all of the churches in our community, that we would thrive, that there would be revival, that we would see souls saved and lives changed in our churches. And, and for us to have such an impact in the community that those who profit from human slavery to sin would be put out of business. Well, I was reading one day and I was praying in Psalm 47 and I came to verse 8. And Psalm 47 and 8 says, God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. And I keyed in on the phrase, God reigns over the heathen. And seeing a footnote in my Bible saying heathen referred to nations, my prayer went something like this. Father, you do reign over the nations. This means you reign over Gaiman. Let us see this reign in our churches and in our community. Reign in my heart so my will is lost in yours. Reign in our church so everything we do is exactly what you would want us to do. So everywhere we go, people will see something different in us. Something different from anything they've ever seen before because of you. Reign in all of the churches so we understand we're on the same team and not in competition with one another. Reign over the hearts of the lost and bring them to Jesus. Reign in Gaiman in such a way your presence is felt as people drive into the town. Reign in Gaiman and deliver people from slavery to drugs and alcohol. Let your reign be so evident in Gaiman those who profit from human slavery to sin would flee the town for fear of being saved. Now again, those are essentially the same things I always pray for. But those are not the words I would typically use. And what's more than it being just different words, those are God's words. right? So I'm not so much praying my wishes and my ideas, but I am taking what God has said and I am praying that back to Him. right? And, and praying it that way, I'm not only doing praying God's word, but it also is deeply rooted in God's glory. Because if God reigns in Gaiman, who gets the glory? Well, not the Free Will Baptist Church, or not the Nazarene Church, or not Sunset Lane Baptist Church, but God gets all of the glory, which is what He wants. 
And so when God's word is performed, God is the one who always gets the glory. So that is a huge benefit to praying. It's not just something we come up with. We're saying, God, this is what your word says. And we're asking you to do that now in this situation, in our town, in our church, in our heart, in, in our family, and whatever it is that's going on. Now, there are two basic ways that you can pray the Bible. One is just to pick a passage of Scripture and pray it. Uh, I typically do this when I'm praying for someone specific. Like on my prayer journal that I have, it's broke up in, in di- different, all kinds of different areas. But one area is our church. And so over the period of a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I pray for everyone who attends our church, right? If they, even nominally, I know them and they make this, they call this their church home, they're somewhere on that prayer list and I pray for them. So what I do is rather than just say, Lord bless Scott and Melissa, Lord bless Red and Lavina, then I open up to a passage of scripture. So open up to Philippians 1, verse 9. Page 899. Philippians 1 verses 9 through 11. Right, It says this. Being confident. Nope, that's verse 6. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. In knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve of things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense the day of Christ. Being filled with all the fruits of righteousness. Which abide Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ of the glory and praise of God. Now, this is a prayer of Paul. The prayers of Paul are easiest to do for something like this because they're already prayers. But basically, you can do it with any ta- any passage, especially the New Testament. You can just open it up to a chapter and begin to pray for people through there. So today was Wednesday, and I prayed. Use this passage to pray for my Wednesday folks. So it went something like this. I, the peace that people I would pray for, I started with the very first one, that they would abound in love. Or let them abound in love for you. Let them abound in love for one another. Let them abound in love for their children. Let them abound in love for our church family. Let them abound in love for the lost in our community. And then I went on to the next person and the next prayer. They, they would abound more and more in knowledge and in judgment, in knowledge. That they would grow in knowledge. So I, the next person on the list that was there, help them to, to study the Word. Give them a heart that's drawn to the Word. Speak to them in this time. Help them to be able to retain it. Use this to renew their mind and transform their lives. Strengthen them in their knowledge of who you are and what you've done through the Word. And then it went on to the next one. It talks about judgment and being able to approve of things that are excellent. Right. So I focused on discernment. So I went to the next person. I said, help them to make good decisions. I don't know what's going on in their life, but there may be a decision they have to make right now. Help them to be able to make good decisions in their life. Give them discernment regarding teaching. Not our world is filled with all kinds of things passing as Christianity. Give them discernment to be able to recognize good teaching for bad teaching. Let them have discernment to know when there's opportunities to talk to someone about Jesus. When is the right time and when is the wrong time? And then I went on. That you may be sincere without offense in the day of Christ Jesus. And I prayed there about living in purity. That helped them to resist temptation. Help them to see the practical value of living in holiness and how it draws us closer to you. Let them love the idea of being holy. Let them hate the idea of their sin. Strengthen them in the temptations that they face. And help them to put to death the deeds of the flesh. 
Then it goes on. Be filled with the fruits of righteousness. So let them be fruitful through Christ. I'm sure there's something powerful or important they're praying about. Let them see an answer to that prayer. Let the fruit of the Spirit reign in their lives. Help them to to have the joy that comes from walking in you. Let them see spiritual growth in their life. And then the last one. Which are... Which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. That they would bring glory to God. Let them live for you in such a way that others see their good works and glorify you on their behalf. Let them live for you in such a way that people see how they live. And they want to know why they live in such a way and how they can know what what they know. Help them to be fully pleasing to you in, in every good thing. And so that's how I would pray for our church family, open it up like that. Or if I'm going to pray for someone to be that's lost to be saved, and I'm really going to focus on them, I might pray through something like, look at John chapter 3, page 811. We won't spend, I can't go through the whole 21 verses, but I'm just going to give you some highlights of what the way I pray as I do this. So verse 1 and 2, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So I key it on Nicodemus was questioning, or make them question their life choices. Stir within them questions about Jesus. Who is he? Why is he so important? Why do people give their lives for him? Why has the church grown from the middle of just a small group of people in Jerusalem to what it is today? And then verses 3 through 5, it talks about being born again. In verse 9, I'm sorry, not verse 9. Verse 15. uh, That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So you have to be born again to see the kingdom. If you don't believe, you're going to perish. So I'd pray, cause them to wonder about eternity. Make them wonder, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? What determines where you go? Stir these sort of thoughts in their mind. And then, of course, verse 16. You you couldn't pray through this without praying verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Make them to know how much you love them. Cause them to see Jesus as the only hope that you have. Verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Make them aware of their sin and their guilt before you. Cause them to fear what will happen if they die in an unrepentant, unbelieving state. Make them wonder and fear eternity. Because I'm not above praying for God to make people miserable and terrified that they might come to Christ. And then verse 19. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Make them question their doubts. Do they really doubt Jesus or is doubting Jesus a convenient cover for loving their sin? You've got to get the idea. You pray through like that. And with this, you just pick a passage, you pick a person or a group of people, and you, you pray it. Another method of praying the Bible is to pray the Psalms. And you can see on your handout, that's the majority of, of what the book of the book I read was. Uh, the principle is the same no matter where you go. 
If you're praying the Psalms or you're praying another passage, the principle is the same. You read the passage, you let thoughts come into your mind, you pray those out to God from it. There are a lot of benefits for praying the Psalms, like I'm going to talk about tonight. One is the Psalms are largely a a book of prayer and praise to God. I mean, that's kind of what Psalms are. Right? And so it's already prepared to, they are already people's prayers. They're already people's praises to God. And, and the benefit of this is that Psalms can help us give expression to praises in ways we may not be able. Right? I mean, who here has ever sought to praise God but run out of words? I mean, again, how many different times can you say, I love you, Lord? You're great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You're amazing. I mean, all of those things are true, but my heart longs to say more. My heart longs to give God more glory, to say more things, but I don't know the words. But again, since Psalms are largely prayers and praise to God, they help with that. And if nothing else, I can just read those as my prayer to God. Right. So for instance, turn to Psalm 145. Page 478. We'll just look at the first six verses. Or first five verses. I'm just going to read them. I will extol thee, my God. O King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. Men shall speak of thy mighty acts and thy awesome acts. And I will declare thy greatness. Now, while I feel these words in my heart, that kind of praise... Those are not words I would use. Right? I don't typically use extol. That's not a, a word I say on the regular. But, and so they're not going to come to my mind. But as I read these words, I am better able to verbalize what I feel in my heart toward God and about God. And again, if nothing else, I can just say, I will extol you, O God. You are wonderful. And, and on and on like that. And even as I read these, more thoughts and more ideas of different ways of saying how great and wonderful God is come to my mind. And so it helps us to express the love, the glory we want to give God, the praise we want to give God in ways most of us typically don't say. Uh, another example from this, Psalm 27 I think it's maybe verse 4. The psalmist talks about wanting to behold the beauty of the Lord. I love that. I don't talk that way. I haven't been raised to talk about the beauty of the Lord. But Psalm 27, it stirs within me a desire to pray that way, a desire to think that way about God. And I can pray that to God. I do want to behold your beauty and your glory. So it helps in that. And another reason... And this is a, a, a more recent one for me. To pray the Psalms is, and this may sound odd, it gives us an aggressive way to pray when fighting spiritual battles. If we're being honest,
most of us do not know how to wage spiritual war in prayer. So what happens is we end up saying not much more than God help. Which is better than nothing, but it feels insufficient. And if I'm being honest about me personally, when I think about spiritual battles being waged for people I love, people I care about, I don't feel God help is enough. In all honesty, I feel angry. I feel aggressive. And I want the way I pray to reflect the anger and the indignation I feel at what Satan's doing in someone's life to try to destroy them. And there are no more aggressive prayers in the Bible than David's imprecatory psalms. The imprecatory psalms are the psalms where the psalmist prays for God to do bad things for, to his enemies. Most imprecatory psalms are, are prayers for God's justice to be poured out immediately and harshly on the enemies of the psalmist. Now, I do not believe this is the way we are to pray for people. Jesus said we are to pray for our enemies and those who despitefully use us. So I don't think he intends for us to pray this way for them though. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, rulers of darkness of this age. There is a spiritual battle behind the flesh and blood. There is a world that appeals. There is a flesh that leads. There is a devil that tempts. So when we feel when we see someone being drawn away by the world, the flesh of the devil, we can take the aggressive prayers of the psalmist and we can pray them against the spiritual enemies seeking to destroy either us or a church or a family or a loved one or in a situation. Right, so again, we'll look at an example of this. Turn to Psalm 69. Start at verse 13, page 444. I'm going to read quite a few verses and then just talk about a couple. In the first part of what I'm going to read, you'll just see the psalmist praying. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord. Acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me. And in the truth of thy salvation, deliver me out of the mire. Let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me. Neither let the deep swallow me up and let the pit... Let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy mercies. Hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. Now, of course, that's a lot of praying. We can pray for someone too, but notice now he changes. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame, my dishonor, my adversaries are all before thee. Reproach hath taken my heart, broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my meat and my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. So now he begins, he's kind of laid his case out before the Lord. And now he begins to pray for God to act. Let their table become a snare before them. And that which 
should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. That their eyes be darkened, that they see not. And make their loins continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate, let none dwell in their tents. For thou, for they persecute him whom thou, ha, whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those to whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. Right, so David now prays for God basically to do bad things to these people. And, and here's what happened. Here's how I came to this. Praying the Psalms, there are a lot. You see in, in your handout, one side talks about spiritual warfare passages. And there's a lot of Psalms listed. Those are the imprecatory Psalms. So you pray, and those are the Psalms you're going to pray. Well, now what do you do with those? And I didn't know how to pray them. And so I began to study and seek out. And what I found is... Christians for thousands of years have prayed the imprecatory psalms against the spiritual enemies that assault believers. But this isn't like a new idea I came up with. The church has always prayed this way. It has just fallen out of favor or fallen out of use in the last hundred years or so. And as I look at this psalm, I know many people who are struggling and hurting and have spiritual issues and things that the enemy is doing. And I have a choice. I can pray, God, help them. Or I can look at verse 24 and I can pray, God, pour out your indignation on whatever seeking to destroy that family. Take hold of this enemy in your wrathful anger and deliver that family. Now, all things being equal. I would rather pray that than God help. And again, it's in the Bible. It's not my idea. It's not my words. It's not my wishful thinking. This is what God had inspired someone to write down and put there clearly. They are meant to be used for something other than looking at that going, that's rough. I would much rather pray aggressively against the evil spiritual forces of the world, the flesh, and the devil who are seeking to steal, kill, and destroy those that we know and love. I would much rather be that aggressive in my prayers than just say, God help, I don't know what to do. And then finally, a final reason to pray the Psalms is there are a lot of them. And here's what I mean. You, you pick a passage to go to and you begin to pray it. What often happens is we go to the same familiar passage every time that we begin to pray. And the problem with that is we go right back to saying the same things about the same things. And we're in the exact same situation again. But if you use the systematic plan that, that I've given you in the handout there. There's always something fresh because there are so many different psalms. If you follow the plan, you pray a different group of psalms every day for a month. And the next month you repeat. But if you decide to pray the same psalm again a month later, it's been a month. In a month you have different thoughts, different ideas, different burdens, different issues to deal with. It's still going to be fresh the next time you come around. Uh, and you can call it a psalm a day or, or the five psalms. There's actually an app on your smartphone called the five psalms has like a little blue hand with Hebrew writing in white across it. 
And it's Donald Whitney, the guy who wrote the book, had the app created. And all it is is five psalms. So you go there, you open it up today, and it'll have the psalms for today listed. And you kind of look through it, and you get your psalm. Because that's what you do. Right? So you, you look on your paper, or you look on your app, and you see the five psalms. And you, you look through them, just for to spend a couple of minutes reading them, see which one. I'm going to tug at you. I don't know any other way to say it. Just which one you want to pray. Or you just start at the very first one. You start it. And then you pray. Um, and and the, way you, the reason it's called five psalms is because there are five psalms a day. You, you go to the day of the month. Or the day of the, yeah, the day of the month. So today's the fourth. So Psalm 4 is the first psalm on our list for today. If you look at that and you think, ah, that's not really. Well, then you add 30. And you get to Psalm 34. And then you add 30 more, and you get to 64. And then 30 more, 94. 30 more, 124. And those are the four psalms, or the five psalms, on the fourth of every month. So you scan the psalms in your Bible or on your app, you figure out the ones that you want to pray, and then you just begin to pray. And you pray till you your, your prayer time is up, or... You mean, or you're through. I mean, because one of the great things is, let's say you're praying Psalm 4, you get to the end of Psalm 4, now you just jump to Psalm 34, and there's a whole nother fresh way to pray. One of the benefits I have found of this is it enables me to pray longer. Now, don't, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you have to pray for 14 hours a day. How many of us know it's awful hard to pray more than a few minutes every day sometimes? But what if we had something to spur our thoughts and to lead us along the way? What if there were 44 different verses with different thoughts and different ideas that brought different stuff to our minds? How much could we pray then? And what, what happens is, rather than our praying and running out of words to say, which is what often happens... We run out of time. I've only got an hour to pray and then I've got to go on with this for my day. Now I've prayed the psalm and I've prayed the next psalm. And there's more psalms to pray, but time's up. I've got to go and start my day. I've got to go to bed, whatever I have to do. The limitation to our prayers, if we pray this way, will not be on what do I pray. It'll be on, well, now my time's up and I have to go on. I have to stop. This has been... You know, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this has helped me pray more than anything else. When I first started this a year and a half ago, my prayer life was it was really dry, struggling. I did not want to pray. I, I prayed because I had to. I felt like I was reading a laundry list. It was I dreaded my morning prayer time because of how dry and how empty it was. If I wake up, I, I normally get up at four, and I'm not bragging on me, so don't, I hope that doesn't come across that way. My heart longs to pray so much that if I wake up at 3.30, 3.45, rather than try to get that extra few minutes of sleep, I get up and I go pray. Because I would rather pray in that 15 or 20 minutes than sleep in that 15 or 20 minutes in the morning. And, and it's just something that has happened as I have done this. Now, one caution before we pray. This takes time. 
I didn't pray this the first time and it was like, oh, this is amazing. First few times I did it, it was awkward. It was just, it felt not right. It took me probably one or two months of praying this consistently, trying and trying and trying before I pushed through and it became something that I incorporate every day into my life. Sunday mornings, I come in, I'm folding up the bulletins, I open up my Bible on my computer to the psalm of the day and while I'm folding up the bulletins, I'm praying for the service and for people and I'm praying my psalm. I mean, I pray every day, I pray a psalm, at least one. But it does take time to work through it. It does take time to figure out how this works with you. And you may not even be like your normal translation. It may help to find, say, the New Living Translation if you use a more literal one. Or there's one called the Passion Translation. And it's more of a, it's not even really a translation, it's more of a paraphrase. But the wording is really neat and sometimes it spurs things on in a different way. So don't. We're going to pray in just a minute. We're going to come to close and we're going to pray. But don't just pray tonight with this and then think, well, that was really awkward. I'm not going to do that again. And don't just pray tomorrow or this week with this. Give it till at least February. Right? Pray all of December, all of January, trying to pray the Psalms. And if by the end of that time you don't find it helpful, don't do it. I, I certainly am not going to tell you to do something that won't help you. But don't quit because it's new and awkward either. Give it time to take root in your heart and just see what will happen as you begin to pray the psalm. So what we're going to do, we're going to take time to pray. So go ahead and, and pick out, look at the psalms for the day. Pick out the one you want to pray. And we'll take just five minutes and we'll pray. And then we'll be dismissed.